Hello, and welcome to the Comic Pals Monthly Book Club episode. This is this is new for me, but uh, I'm your host this month, Tyler. Yeah. yeah. And guys, we're doing probably one of my favorite runs. Not the full run, but the beginning of one of my favorite runs of all time. We are doing the first volume of Grant Morrison and Richard Case's Doom Patrol. Um, so this collects issues... 19 through 25 of Morrison's Doom Patrol, and I believe this was 89. His Doom Patrol went all the way up to 93, but wow. it started in 89. Um, yeah, it's it's earlier than I thought, you know? Like, as I'm reading this, it feels very... It still feels modern, in a way. Yeah. Um, but, like, it feels uh, later than I thought. Um, really? Yeah, I thought this was more like... I thought you were going to say, like, 85 or something. Okay. This feels like, like that... that wave of british creators coming in still but that mm-hmm. I, I guess i realized that's like the tail end of it yeah so i, 80, I, I guess right off go ahead, go. i was gonna say 89 that's still the heyday of that the the british wave mm. the british invasion the red sure, coats are coming sure. yeah you you would know about that you traitor you just went up and left and went there but sorry i still have grudges from the revolutionary war i guess I haven't fully fully fleshed out. Anyway, do you guys? Uh, I just want to ask you guys off the top before we start get get started into this. Um, do you have any uh, any history with Doom Patrol? The show, the first I season watched, of the show. Watched the okay. first season. Uh, no, the first episode of the show. I read um, Gerard Way's Doom Patrol, and um, the only other. Doom Patrol I think I've ever seen is there's an issue of Teen Titans right after um, Infinite Crisis where they have to go like rescue Beast Boy from Mento's mind control or whatever. Um, And that's it. I always liked uh, there's a Doom Patrol character named Mento because like I just think of the Fresh Maker. That's yeah. yeah. That's where yeah, my yeah, mind yeah. went. <laughs> it's weird too because he looks exactly like Jay Garrick. Got the hel- got piece. the helmet with a uh, yeah. little you know little uh, head uh, antenna. I uh, always the, the graying temples and everything. I know uh, Mento isn't what we read, but like I always remember his power set because um, I just imagine a British uh, person saying that he has mental powers. Uh, and that's how I, yeah. <laughs> that's how I remember um, it. Kale, you've also read Flex Mentala, right? Doom Patrol's not in Flex Mentala. No, but I think it's a character that appears yeah. in it. Appear? You, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Flex is introduced by Morrison in their run. Like later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, ha- I have the book. I haven't, haven't read it yet, though. So. Oh, it's tremendous. Is it? Yeah. We should do it. Yeah, we should we should do a book club on that. We'd have to do it all shirtless, though. I think that's the deal. Yes. Yeah, of course. The hero mm, of the beach yeah. has to be that. We cannot do on YouTube. Sorry. Sure, we can. Uh, no, yeah, our nipples not allowed to the free the nipple. You can't. <clears throat> our nipples aren't the problem. <laughs> Don't speak for all of us. Some of our nipples might be the problem. Yo, <laughs> someone, somebody got big old pepperoni nips on the show. Right. Right. Have yeah, to that book club. Some... No, oh, so. The 13th month of the year, we'll do a Flex Mentala. There, there we go. I like that. Sure, yeah. uh, Marco, do you have any uh, history with Doom Patrol? Oh, 
Uh, yeah, similarly, the Gerard Way run, those two arcs, and then uh, this book, the one we're reading, uh, have the larger version of it, and the show. It's good stuff. Have you have you watched all the show, both seasons? Uh, just to season one. I started season okay. two, but I fell off. That's kind of where I am with the show, yeah. I want to go um, back, though. Yeah, so Doom Patrol is kind of like a, uh, uh, especially this run with uh, Morrison and, and Case and Scott Hanna as well. Um, uh, this These few eh, first two arcs, I guess, um, are really interesting because it really cuts the mold for what superhero comics were at the time. Especially this is, mm-hmm. this is coming off of uh, Paul Copperberg's run, which is a much more traditional run on Doom Patrol. Um, where it's just a superhero team doing superhero stuff. Uh, and instead DC comics had the invasion storyline, which I don't, I haven't read, but I know Marco, you were familiar with that. That's what the Martians, right? Or, yes. No, 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 it's, um, the, um ooh, I'm forgetting the, the name of them. The dom- dominators. Yes. That sounds right. Yes. Yeah, the ones yeah, with the weird teeth. Yeah. They're yellow. They have a great big red circle on their foreheads. Didn't uh, Young Justice tackle that as well? Something Potentially. Yeah. Um, I did well. But yeah. So this this follows that run where uh, Morrison pretty much asked Copperberg to um, get rid of any characters Morrison didn't want to write. <laughs> so uh, Copperberg used the invasion storyline to either kill off or just write people off for to to kind of tee up Morrison for for their run. Um, and I really like that as a because Morrison's like, hey, I want to do my own thing. And they really do their own thing on this. Um, it's definitely uh, irreverent, I think. Um, so I guess in terms of the people on the show, like I'm a huge Morrison fan, but I know Sean, you're a big Morrison mark as well. I have a shrine to Morrison. You can't see it, but it's just off my camera. That's what all many, Morrison's Is it a shelf or is it like <laughs> an altar? How would you describe it? Um, I think it's an altar. There are some candles okay. there, uh, pictures, omnibi oh galore, single issues, unsigned, of course. Um, I am working my way towards being able to summon him actually, or summon them. Yeah, that's my goal. I think that's possible. I know it is. <laughs> I, I, I believe it wholeheartedly. You might accidentally summon the, the Korith world though, so be careful with that. Did you ever hear the story about Grant Morrison, uh, <laughs> Grant Morrison and Warren Ellis? Um, uh, Warren Ellis tells a story about how he went to Grant's room at a con just to talk, and there was smoke coming from underneath the door. <laughs> and before Ellis could knock, the door opened. And in the room was Grant Morrison on a bed with a pile of money, naked, laying in the bed. And Morrison said, hey, what's up, (laughs) Ellis? Ellis just left. Like, I want no parts of this. And that's it. Where did the smoke come from? I don't know. I don't even know if that's a true story. (laughs) That's the story Warren told. It sounds plausible. I believe it. The smoke it, was probably the weed or something. Weed in a hotel room at a con? That's Dude. not a thing. More likely <laughs> than you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, no, so yeah, I just I was curious. Have you have you ever touched their Doom Patrol run? No, uh, I was gifted this sweet, massive, oh, yeah. back-breaking omnibus by the pals actually for my birthday mm. in 2020, and this gave me a great uh, opportunity to open it up. This is a gap. This is a Morrison gap for me. I would say I have no experience with anything Morrison pre um, pre Arkham Asylum, pre Batman. Mm. Uh, what's that one? Um, R.I.P. No, no, no. Um, Think. No, no. From the '90s, where Batman is like dealing with the devil, the fur his first encounter with the devil. Oh, I don't know God. this one. <laughs> you definitely do, dude. Um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name right now. It's really good though. Uh, uh, it, it's a, we did think we even read it on the we did a book club on it or something. It's where Batman it, it retells the story of of being in school in like. Uh, boarding school or something like that and he learns about this oh, mystery yeah. yeah he encounters a guy who can't die who's been really um, cursed by the devil sense? second son is the name that's coming to mind that's not what it is Mm-mm. uh i'm i'm gonna find it right now I, i'm okay. about to pull it up it is called Da-da-da-da. Um, this is like a blank spot for me. I have no recollection of this, and I'm a pretty big Morrison Mark too. I'm I'm so sure you've read it, and then of course I go to his or their Wikipedia, and it's not even there. You got to be kidding me! Now I look crazy. That Black Love? No, 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 it's from the '90s. It's I'm pretty sure it's the first time that they wrote. Okay, uh, Batman. I'll find Wait, the name. So, you keep you so keep talking. This would be the Gothic. Oldest. Gothic. Batman. Gothic. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so before gothic i have no familiarity okay cool uh do you like uh, i guess well i guess i want to know what you thought about this so far then as yeah. somebody coming into this era of morrison that you hadn't you know gotten into before so the first thing i, I i'll say is the thing that i kept coming back to which is that i can't believe this is a dc comic book um it doesn't feel like dc to me what i interpret or think about dc as is not this you know these are not superheroes this is not a superhero comic book this is something that is very different from that and i'm so shocked that grant was doing things like this back then because it's so um out there you know like we when i think about this time in comic books i think about like you know the x-men i think about spider-man i think about obviously like some of the most important Batman stories ever told. And I think about Watchmen, this is outside of all of that. This is something different than all of that. This is like a hole that Morrison just, uh, he, he, he created a hole in the industry by doing this. Um, and it, 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 it upsets and inverts everything that I've read from this time period. It's, it's really, really amazing. This, this is like the, this is vertigo bread and butter. The, yeah very much so like swamp thing became a lot of this uh books of magic hellblazer this is that wacky vertigo styling if you like this there's a lot of books out there like even gmo's uh swamp thing run yeah like an arc or two they had an arc or two um in the late 80s around this time as well that's pretty good 
well one of the themes that i was you know thinking about during this is like the whole unwitt un unwilling hero kind of aspect of it which i think is really marco as you list the other vertigo titles at the time was prevalent i think at vertigo where it didn't yeah. really exist in mainstream books um, it, it it was the the theme very much it, it very much was the theme um you know how blazer was a, uh, he came to do the things that needed to be done but he wasn't happy about it there was tragedy involved uh swamp thing was a character who was gifted these these powers and learned to grow over time but um, wasn't one to i guess go up and be like all right i'm gonna be the hero um a lot of the time the storylines i think that vertigo puts out would be about you know having the power to do something and deciding when the right time would be to to act sure i think that also like works for sandman as well thematically. yeah for sure yeah. Um, it's funny, like, th this is a very, it was almost cliche to say, but very emo book in a way, like, <laughs> and, and the characters are always uh, complaining, and nobody's really happy in this book, and then, you know, modern day Doom Patrol is written by King Emo himself, Gerard Way, I'm like, okay, this <laughs> this tracks. Um, I think, for me, like, I read Doom Patrol originally right when the Gerard Way stuff got announced, I'm like, okay, I need to know this shit, because I'm a, I was huge, I am a huge MCR fan, so I was really excited for that. Um so being able to, um, you know, see this uh, and read this again is good. Um, uh, one thing that I wanted to even uh, uh, mention as well, um, plugs for the show. We should probably bring those plugs in. I forgot to mention that. Yes. The show, so. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you can follow us uh, at the, the Comics Pals on shit. Where are we now? Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, TikTok. TikTok popping Doing off a little good there um and uh yeah just talk to us on our discord as well you can follow find all our links in our bios wherever you're listening to us you know podcast watching us live whether it's live or recorded find us there interact it's fun or 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 comment on the youtube video and then have sean uh, <laughs> uh be the one that flames you back uh <laughs> sean's the one responding i was just saying but <laughs> and he will he will be the one to flame me back I, I make no bones about it. That's I'm very respectful, engagement. but fan you know, engagement. Just, yeah, it's good. Especially for this, like the book clubs, I'm, I'm real curious to see if anyone has any, any real um, love affection or didn't really care much for it. I, I think actually, Cal, I don't, I don't have your opinion on this yet, but I think we've all, we're all can say we enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Good. Good. So okay. we're all at least on some I, similar page. Interesting. Yeah. Do you want me to, Get into it. No, yeah, go for it. Yeah, <clears throat> this sort of more esoteric um, Morrison is—it's uh, a bit where he starts to lose me. They, they. Sorry, sorry. Uh, it's a bit where Morrison starts to lose me. They, uh, you know, in the issues where the the scissormen really start to take over and the. Um, you know the the your child Sean. Sorry, Kale, but <laughs> Sean's just chuckling as soon as you said Scissorman. <laughs> I love it. It's so insane. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then and then you know 
Ro- robot man and and jane go to you know kansas city which is being taken over by the you know the the other world or whatever and just all the all the nonsensical dialogue and captions i just like to me there's a point where it's like okay i'm gonna go ahead and skip over this because i i know it it's either so deadly specific that i'm not gonna go look it up because it belongs to some 13th century germanic monastery or it's absolute rubbish so um, you're you're kind of close actually. I think the Scissorman exists from an old fairy tale that was German, D- Dutch or something. Yeah, yeah Dutch or uh, German. Um, and the dialogue that the Scissorman have is actually Grant. Um, I believe they just typed random stuff on a word uh, <laughs> document, and then yeah. it was autocorrect uh, from a word processor. I think autocorrect I in 1989 uh, on a word processing. Document, so it would have been so Clippy. No, wouldn't that, that wouldn't have been a home computer at that point. It would have been literally a word processing computer, which would be separate. But hmm. that's what I read. I don't know the legitimacy of it. But I, I, I could have sworn that there was like some sort of code. So in, I, I remember getting back to the Scissormen and being like, oh, that's right. I spent like maybe an hour trying to figure out what they were saying at some point. <laughs> like when I first read it, I'm like, he, they must be saying something. I, I, I just don't have the mental capacity. And it's like, it's probably nonsense in the second read. I think I think that's a, a really interesting thing that Morrison is able to do. And and it's very likely that they can tap into something because that's just where they are. Yeah. Uh but that's just not that's not for me, man. <laughs> I okay. So I have a weird relationship with Morrison getting into that that particular brand of crazy because I think it works. 90% of the time, 95% of the time for me. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And then like final crisis comes out and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I don't know what the hell this is. Right. Yeah. Um, but we read multiversity and when I was reading multiversity, I was like, okay, I, I finally reached the point where I can no longer deal with what Morrison does. They left me in the dust. I'm done. And then we sat down and did the book club. And by the end of the book club, it was one of my favorite Morrison books of all time because of the conversation and what I was realizing as I was thinking about it and having to talk about it. So for me, at that moment, I said, okay, never again will I doubt Morrison. Never. I don't care what the scissor men are talking about. It doesn't even matter. It's all crazy. And I'm here for every single second of it. That's how I feel about Morrison. I mean, so we didn't get to it in in the book that we read, but uh, Doom Patrol does get into um, introduces Mister Nobody, who we get teased in the you know the at the end here, um, and the Brotherhood of Dada, which is a supervillain team that is based on the Dada movement of art, um, which is I think Morrison, I guess, could be the most Dada comic book writer ever in a 100%. way, um, where. It, it's just the the idea of it, just rejecting logic and reason where things the the fact that it doesn't make sense is the objective of it. Right. Um, which is what I love about Morrison, because it, it Morrison always threads the line where it's like and you mentioned like multiversity and final crisis or even uh, like the zero R, the end of Batman R.I.P. is mm-hmm. what I think of. And a lot of Doom Patrol where they throw so much 
weird, random bullshit at you. And you don't know if you're supposed to read into it or not. And if you do, did you just come up with that and pull it out your ass and not something that, you know, Morrison even thought of? Or was it planted there? And it's, it's fun, always a though. fun little game that I, that I love about Morrison um, that I don't think other people can do. Once, like, Hickman gets all crazy, like, if you read Manhattan Project stuff, I'm like, oh, boy, that's a little too far for me there, buddy. Um, but it, it's, this is, like, uniquely Morrison kind of storytelling device that it's – this is going to sound super flowery, but it's almost, like, poetic in a way um, in, the, in the fact that, like, I, I – as a Morrison reader, I don't – care about looking into it anymore i just enjoy it for what it is um and i think with the scissor men q sean chuckle um that's that's a good point there i think we even get the scissor men later on in the doom patrol series which is like wild that that even happened oh they come back uh in the tv show actually the show oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. it is insane the amount of stuff the tv show takes from the morrison run um they tackle everything I highly doubt that there's a TV show if there's not a Morrison run. Oh, I think that, yeah. Yeah. Probably, yeah. It's called X-Men at that point. Right. Actually, uh, I don't know if you guys read the foreword that they that they did. Um, I guess it was for the 20th issue when this was still coming out. But um, Morrison speaks about the inspiration behind this, which was to reject the X-Men and mm-hmm. everything that was going on with Batman. And it's so funny. And I'm so glad I read this because it actually informed me a little more about why Grant's run on Batman is the way it is because it's saying, yeah, I I, like, I believe that Morrison actually doesn't like the super serious Batman of the late eighties and early nineties and deliberately wrote their run on Batman as an integration and an inversion of all of that. And it, brings a new context to that run that I love. So just if, if that was the only thing I got out of this and I thought the rest was garbage, I still would have been glad that I read this. Thankfully, I think the rest is brilliant. Which is kind of funny because when you think of like original Doom Patrol, you think of like the, what that would be, Silver Age, right? Around then uh, is yeah. when it would come about. Yeah. Which traditionally in Grant's work, he they've shown a, a love for the Silver Age of comics. Um, and this being an outright rejection of it and a complete reinvention of it um, in that forward is, is a really interesting take on it. Because if you if you read their action comics, it embraces the Silver Age at that point. It's almost like a rejection of previous uh, Superman run from like the 90s and 80s. Well, I think I think the rejection comes from the Doom Patrol just being, you know, a carbon copy of the X-Men and their adventures being the same as every everything else, you know. What Morrison would have been reading, you know, in the early days of the Silver Age is like, you know, the crazy flash stories where he's a wooden puppet one day and then the next one he's got a giant brain and Mm. then the next one he's, you know, uh, fat, like, you know. (laughs) I love fat flash. It's great. I mean, it's so... You know, he, they, Morrison is looking for those, you know, uh, stories that are, are, are bucking the trend of being like every other thing. And I mean, Doom Patrol would have been the, you know, the 
the perfect vehicle for them. I think that's well said. I think Morrison, it's it's based on the time in which a thing is being written. So like at this time, when you look at what was popular, Morrison rejected that and said, that's boring. You know, that's not interesting. I'm gonna, I'm going to do something radically different. They said, I'm going to do Animal Man. Right. And you're going <laughs> to fucking like it. And and if you think about, like, their Batman run, the most obvious thing that, that Morrison could have done was a straight shooting book about Batman. Think about the time that that came out in, right? Like, that was just after or just before Begins. And The Dark Knight comes out during the time of R.I.P., so nothing would be better for DC than to put out a straight shooting Batman book. Morrison said, I'm going to do the exact opposite and do something insane. And when you mentioned Superman at the time that Morrison wrote action comics, um, just after flashpoint, again, that's a time where unchained was also coming out. The Superman unchained oh, by Snyder and Lee, which yeah. was like a borderline kind of edgy, like real based in action Superman run and Morrison said, nah, I'm going to do something very much a love letter to Silver Age Superman stuff. But they also led the led the new 52 with uh, action comics. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that the obvious thing to do would have been to thrust Superman into the new age with an unchained type of story. And Morrison did the opposite. Yeah. No, I say that to agree with you. I think. um, you know, leading leading the charge with um, you know, uh, a regular Superman book would have been probably what DC wanted, but they right. got Morrison instead. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna stop going into the well about Morrison. Tyler, take us into the book. Well, well I wanted to talk about like just. This Doom Patrol, sure, it's what he had like a uh, Morrison was a 37 issue run or so, uh, up till 93. Uh, Vertigo Comics gets the, the imprint begins in 93, so this is kind of a uh, one of those oh, like three lewd runs. I always in my head, I'm like, oh, Vertigo is Doom Patrol, you know, but Doom Patrol at, in Vertigo Comics didn't exist until Pollock's run, Rachel Pollock's run. Um, so Morrison's is really kind of this progenitor of the Vertigo brand i would say it's one of those kind of things that yeah they've you know uh, retconned it to be part of the vertigo imprint or black label now since vertigo Mm -hmm. doesn't exist Mm -hmm. um but uh, i guess like this run and specifically like the beginning of this run too is just a real interesting look at like this dictated a whole imprint of comic books that is probably what in in terms of current modern day comics it's the most influential run of series out there like if you look at who's big now always talking about vertical books as like Mm -hmm. the stuff they read um whether it's like joshua williamson i believe is up there donny cates um i believe was mentioned the vertical books is influential um i wish gerard way wrote more comics but you know like gerard way is another one that you know mentions how much this was important to them so even even from like an editorial perspective karen berger like yeah. went off to do burger books, but has also been has had her hands in a lot of the the successful books coming out of Vertigo that you know, spawned you know how many other uh, iterations or series moving forward. So you know f- from from everywhere, 
from every perspective, uh, the Vertigo brand was bolstered by creators like Morrison um, and even just people working on the in the back end and in like in office. Yeah, and it's also wild to think that this was going on concurrently with the birth of Image Comics. <laughs> that's wild. In '92, mm. which it's they're almost exact opposites, and in a way, Image Comics has become the vertical comics of the modern day um, because it doesn't really exist anymore. Um, so it's weird <laughs> to see how history kind of oh 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 you're saying ver- because vertigo doesn't exist anymore yeah vertigo I thought that was exist, yeah. i thought that was a shot at image yeah <laughs> uh, i mean they could have been the new vertigo and they had they have there is a vacuum for it and i'm not sure they're really filling that currently but 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 before we we, we dive in deeper did you guys catch that one scissor man that um was like uh, as a big fan of Marvel's history and someone who's written the original Thunderbolts theme lineup in the past. <laughs> Jesus, Marco. <laughs> I catch that shit. That was crazy. I was like, yeah, I was looking into that. I, I tried Googling yeah. it, but... I, you know. dude, Morrison's just out there. On a different level, man. Yeah, they were ahead of their time. Um, so one of the other other themes in this that really gets me with uh, Richard, Richard Case's art is almost a Cronenbergian level of body horror mm-hmm. um, throughout yeah. this, uh, whether it's... And this also deals with the thematic elements of body dysphoria. I think that is prevalent, especially in the beginning of this book. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it didn't really jump out to me, and the the ways I think about it are like Robot Man, and he can't feel anything because he's in a robot body, and then you have Crazy Jane who doesn't really have any control over herself because of her unlimited amount of personalities, or then there's the much more I guess um, it, it's in the text a little more with Rebus, uh, the negative man, um, being a combination of the female and the male body, but also something otherworldly at the same time. Um, and, that, and then even Niles Calder, he is disabled. And there is no character in this outside of like Josh, who's like our just normal dude and the one normal <laughs> dude in this whole book. Um, nobody really has traditional... A traditional superhero body, but also they, they're dealing with something with their body that they can't quite grasp, and it's something they fight against throughout it. Um, and in the art, there's there's a lot of allusions to it. There's the uh, in the the Red Jack, uh, the second arc in this, um, Robot Man's looking through a, a, a circus mirror, and his body is in different ways there. Um, I'm just curious if you guys noticed this uh, throughout it. I mean, it's kind of hard not to, but. Yeah, um, I, it, it was it was really interesting. Um, you know, these are all characters who are essentially alienated from their own bodies. And obviously now with the context of how Morrison has, you know, come out as non-binary yeah. um, and, and just knowing what Morrison has done and experienced in life over the years, um, that makes a lot of sense but it also makes for really interesting storytelling because if you contrast this with like for example the x-men you know even though characters like beast may represent that that aspect of being uncomfortable in your body um beast is pretty chill for the most part you know and he's had three mutations at this point he's probably yeah (laughs) Um, and and even like 
you know, the rest of the team, for the most part, the rest of the X-Men are uh, chilling. Cyclops, Jean Grey. Yeah, sure. They have powers. Cyclops wears glasses, but like he's cool. He's a regular white dude. Tall, perfect. Everyone on this team is disturbed. Tall, perfect and weird. white dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, who just has to wear glasses. Otherwise, he'll end everything. That's, you know, that's normal. Um, I like that this is so radically different from that. It takes that concept of normalcy and really twists on its head because uh, you, like, even within the X Men, right? Like, sure, Beast, but then you got, uh, what is it, the, the Beak, right? I think is his name. Yeah. You always bring um, up Beak. You love Beak, I feel. I love Beak, dude. He's an amazing character. But, like, like you, even even for something like X Men, right? We don't really always get those wacky characters. We, we get the ones that are more normal quote unquote or 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 something that we can see ourselves in physically and that approach of taking a unconventional superhero story and team and then bringing on bringing on characters who are unconventional superheroes and if you can even consider them that uh is is a good baseline for it um when i first read this the that concept of not being able to feel blew my mind because i'm like oh that that makes total sense right you you can have a physical body and not be able to perceive something like nerve damage or whatever right let's say but like to and then to take it to an extreme is you're also physically not in your body um and it kind of goes to the 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 one of the concepts that they talk about about being there's the first there is a mountain then there is no mountain, then there is, right? And and the for all of these characters, there is physicality, but there is no is for them a lot of the time. Um, they're they're missing certain things and certain and cer- certain things that they feel would make them whole, and that part is removed from them. The uh, the clarity for negative man uh, on on their identity the touch for uh robot man or sanity for crazy jane there's it, it makes for rife storytelling um and it's also just fun to play off those characters because you can make them uh, to to your point tyler suffer in ways that are beyond just a punch right that you have that body hard to, to play with and um you bring up richard case's art fire there are moments that are phenomenal um let me see if I have the page. I, I called out one page in particular because it has like just really a really good beat. Um, descend, if you're reading it, it's page 56. Um, but there's this moment where the, the lead up to this is um, this person is getting their, I guess they're getting cut out of existence by the scissormen. And then it starts with this, you know, just contrasted page against black and ends with robot man's face they're on the same page it's this nice symmetry um but then also from a reading perspective you're reading it coming into the page so your face is you met with this face and then you're reading it coming out to the next page where the face is pointing out um it just feels like phenomenal work that uh case has a really good grasp on sequential storytelling um and making moments really count 
Yes, I think that one of the things that like really jumps out to me with Case's art is the um, is or- Orkwith, Korth, whatever the Korth? the the world that kind of engulfs Kansas City and possibly the rest of the world um, is disgusting. It's yeah, <laughs> it's full oh, of my God bones and marrow and flesh, and it's 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 the uh, it's super organic in a gross way to combat what would normally be an inorganic cityscape um which i think is a it's a it's a gross way of turning it on its head which i think it really works in the art yeah the art i think was really stand out a lot of times with books like this um no i shouldn't say books like this with stories from this era um i'm not really that moved by the art but this was one of those where the craft is so good and it supports the story and tells the story so well that I really enjoyed it. Um, you talk about like body horror. There's a lot of just, just horror. Like there's a lot of nasty stuff. Um, and, you know, Morrison is great at bending your mind. And then whenever they have art that supports that agenda, it just takes it to a whole other level. And uh, I was so, so um, like, I couldn't put this down. I, I, I couldn't nice. stop reading it. And a big reason for that was that it was so easy to look at. I feel like a lot of times these books are not, I don't really love to look at them. And then from a, from a, a word standpoint, like for a book from 89, I didn't feel like this was too bad word, word count wise, or at least the dialogue was good enough that I didn't notice it. It carried you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, not to, not to backtrack a bit, but just the idea of, I know Grant Morrison has come out recently as non-binary within the last year or two or so. And last the, couple. Yeah. Yeah. And like, just the idea of like with Rebus essentially destroying the gender binary with one character and the art kind of doing at the same time, it, it was almost kind of masterful of how, the art kind of makes Rebus look both masculine and feminine at the same time, mm-hmm. even though they're covered up with bandages. So it's this weird, uh, it's the body language that's drawn in it that was very interesting. And, and this being what, 80, what did I say, 87? 89. Uh, 89, yeah. And, and fighting against the gender binary like that way ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it even, it does that further too. Like, Further on, we get introduced to Danny the Street, which is a sentient street that's also trans. Um, which, what? yeah, 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 that's one one of the more major characters of Doom Patrol too. Is a street. Um, yeah, it's it's real interesting, and I I don't think this book gets enough credit for that in terms of being a, a mold breaker for superhero comics. And yeah, it's more subtext rather than the text that you know trans uh, uh, storytelling is now. Um, where it maybe couldn't be that outright with it, but uh, it definitely carries the themes throughout it that I think are more prevalent in a more modern lens. Re rereading it, I was viewing it very much from that from that perspective of you know this very well could have been a conceptual uh, question or understanding that was probably rattling through Grant's head and you know pen to page seeing what execution sort of looks like in that. Um, I think to um, uh, to the point on the art and the way that Rebus is represented, um, negative man being you know, just a silhouette 
you know, you, you view the, the, the figures, you view things via the silhouettes. We have, um, mm. what is it? The, the bathroom signs, right? You can tell from the silhouette, you don't need the detail, but the silhouette itself is, is, uh, indication enough for you to be able to, um, assume and make the binary where you can take away the negative man being that negative space, very similar to the, the, the scissor man being taken out of the actual physical space and you're left with the silhouette and you can still distinguish things. And I think that that was a really cool way to continue propagating the idea that removing the person, right. And just looking at the silhouette, can you distinguish? Mm. And if you can, it's in mannerisms and it's in just the way that it's that, that you are, you're applying your own thoughts to the binary based off of the silhouette, not that it's there. Again, it, it, it isn't there, but we assume it based off of our previous um, uh, learnings and understanding. Well, it's uh, it's uh, <clears throat> McLeod talks about this in understanding comics. It's you know human nature to find things that look like us in objects. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at a, uh, a an American plug socket; it looks like a pair of eyes. <clears throat> There's not, a not- for not that, I can't remember. Like the face. Not, yeah, There's a Reddit, a subreddit that, that, that I, I, I follow that's about that. It's just mm-hmm. a lot of cars mm-hmm. on it. Uh, but, but Marco, I think it just kind of dawned on me. When you describe like with the scissormen, them cutting out people, it's a lack of people or the lack of a identifiable um, body type uh, in, in, in Rebus. There's a distinct lack of things throughout this, purposefully mm-hmm. so. Like I think one of the ones that jumped out to me on this reread of the the second arc with Jack Red Jack is they even mention it in it was the lack of any real buildup. You you get this character mm. that's supposed to be Jack the Ripper, and it mm. seems they they build him up as like a big bad, and then he's just gone and dies. And there there there's I, I shouldn't say lack of buildup. There's a lack of real climax or. Or what's the word? Uh, Denimois, I think, is the other word. It's the fallout action, falling action, in a story. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even Robot Man's like, oh, that's it. That's all that happened. Which I think is a good kind of a bucking of the trend with superhero comics, especially at the time. It's like you build up this big bad. He has a backstory, like, oh, he's Jack the Ripper. He's big, and then he's gone in a page. You know. And even even that story though is an issue too. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a two issue arc. Yeah, like that's nothing, you, especially you never in you know, today's terms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that, uh, that's an, yeah. th- that's one of the advantages when we were doing um, a Swamp Thing when we did the Swamp Thing book club. Um, one of the things that we had I think commented was that each of these issues also feels like a very complete story. You, know, you can read these individually, and you get a um you get a complete package you have your uh, the beginning there you have your climax and you have your end um leading into the next issue it's it isn't separated by you know you know uh, to be continued stay stay for the next one you can you can come in and read one of these issues and you have a pretty good uh understanding of where it's going and a satisfying resolution um that i think is something that Grant took advantage of, uh, in this, uh, in the, in this series, cause he's, he's able to bring you in for those two issues, I think effectively because 
you could read one of them and it's satisfying. Which makes sense of it being adapt, uh, adapted into a TV show. Like rereading this, I'm like, oh, of course this would be a TV show. It's so, it's perfect for it. Just tell one and done stories with an overarching theme. It's like, it's TV made already. Yeah, it's fucking weird, but TV is fucking weird now. So like, it makes sense in my eyes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, anything else uh, jump out to you guys during this, uh, I guess, first two two arcs of this? Are you guys going to keep reading this? Or, I mean, Sean, you have it ready, readily available right there for you. So, I fully intend to. Um, I, I needed something like this. Something a little bit different, you know? Because mm. we don't, I don't only read superhero comics, and we certainly don't for the book clubs and, you know, our various shows. But um, even when we step outside of the superhero paradigm, a lot of the books kind of have a similar vibe, similar stakes, similar writing style. And this just breaks every mold, even it being from something that's, you know, what, almost 30 years old or whatever, um, mm -hmm. or over Damn, 30 years old. Really like think about it that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's a real palate cleanser in that sense. And I'm really happy about that fact. So now I have something to go to that can trip me up and I don't know what's going to happen. You know, like I couldn't really predict the book at, at any turn. And I feel like nowadays, you know, you could almost write it yourself. Um, so I, I'm really happy about that. And I can't wait to read more. Just wait till you get uh, something like, like Mr. Nobody. Oof, that's, that's next arc. banana stuff. Sean, just keep reading. Or someone just comics tag Sean uh, for <laughs> Wednesday show and just if I could, I'd like to talk about Robot Man uh, real yeah. quick. Yeah. Um, Brendan Fraser, yeah, go ahead. Man, what a great character! Yeah. Like, I was I wasn't sure what to expect because um, obviously I saw the show, but I didn't know if it was going to be the exact same. And wow, they ripped my heart out almost immediately with this guy. Um, because they show you right away why he's like this. And then it's like, I can't feel anything. And for a guy who can't feel anything, the most evocative panels are the ones where he's screaming in pain or revulsion or whatever. And that's, that's craft. You know what I'm saying? To make me feel that much for a character who can't feel like that's incredible work. And Grant does a lot of interesting things with Robot Man in this, and the fact that I think Robot Man is named Robot Man once or twice during this whole thing. Mm. Like, there's a distinct choice to just go by Cliff in it to right. humanize him, which I think, you know, in his more superhero named identity stuff didn't exist. So I think that explicit need to call him just Cliff is really important to humanizing the character. And also, you mentioned like the pain and stuff. Once we realize that any of the pain he's showing in this, is instantly emotional or psychological pain right and makes it yeah and because because you're, you're reading it you, there's no way you can feel physical pain by reading the book you can have an idea of what it feels like but if i'm reading the superman book and he gets shot with i don't know laser beams i don't know what that feels like <laughs> I, I never had lasik surgery i don't know what that feels like <laughs> um but i know what emotional and, and you know mental anguish feels like so um having something that's much more you could empathize with more in a superhero book is a really great choice. And to some degree, I think that's true for all the characters mm -hmm. that like, if you, even if you look at crazy Jane, like 
she, what she's going through is something that I'll never understand, but I understand what it's like to not be sure of myself or not know exactly what I think or feel about something, feel alienated from my own mind. You know, like all of those things are things that I have felt and dealt with. And you can find yourself in any one of these characters to varying degrees, you know, with Rebus, not being sure about your identity, you know, not being sure about how you want to present yourself to the world, having these kinds of awakenings. There's so much here that, for as wild as all these concepts are, every single one of them is imbued with a humanity that we can all tap into. Oh, that one part where Crazy Jane's running around barefoot around like glass and stuff. I was like, ooh, I feel <laughs> well, some physical pain there. That, that one I, I can relate to. <laughs> I, uh, I did a lot of that when I was a kid. Breaking <laughs> glass in New York. Dude, I no, used to step true. on glass all the time. It was annoying and it was just, it would always happen. Splinters, glass. Nonstop. Were you like Legos. a barefoot kid? Like you just like more walking around. I'm a barefoot human. <laughs> oh, like Contessa. Who? I get or the barefoot Contessa. No, you guys don't watch Food Network. Okay, all right, that's fine. That's uh, all right. I'm a I'm a middle aged married man too. I get I get it. <laughs> I just like food porn, dude. It's just it's like watching it and then knowing I can't make it myself. But yeah. um. The, the, the only other thing that I wanted to call out were the colors. They, they're they all very, you know, of the time, primary colors. A lot of it's going to be from the printing. But there's just mm. this, um, I think, pulp feel in the use of it. We are seeing a lot of horror here. But I think the, the use of, you know, these sharp pinks against Robot Man's orange body. Um, we're seeing a lot of uh, deep blues when it comes to being in this other world uh, th there's a there's just a good use of um color there's just a good use of color i think to help elevate the moods um that accentuate some of those horror pieces and i i always appreciate that kind of stuff mm. one of the things i noticed with the color too is especially negative man um or rebus um is that he's wearing uh, they're wearing a green trench coat throughout it duster mm. Um, but the color kind of changes depending on. I've seen like there were multiple yeah, times where that, that coat, that yeah. coat was such a different color, or I, I don't know if it's like maybe just the way that was this digitally painted over for the modern printing, possibly. I'm not sure, um, or if it was a choice where like the color is changing because Rebus is constantly changing. Um, well, <laughs> the one one of the ones I particularly noticed was when. Rebus is with uh is it Eleanor's husband? Great, great scene, yeah. Um their Rebus's coat is is blue, uh blue and purple when it had been um you know, when we actually see them in it, uh it had it had been uh you know bright orange and red before. Oh yeah. So I I wondered if you know it, it was linked to their emotion somehow. So oh, anybody true, yeah. anybody watching the the video, you can see it's orange here, but then over here it turns purplish blue. I didn't notice that. Yeah, ever changing. Mm -hmm. Fluid. Or, mm. uh, I mean, it's a lot. Maybe it just maybe that was oh, the look. idea of a uh, shade. The and then over here it's green. Mm -hmm. I like the gradient too enough gradient yeah. in comics you know i think you just showed a panel with josh on it can we talk about my man josh real fast like who, okay i have no context yeah. for josh so that 
<laughs> so the guy on the right was Eleanor's husband, but right. Josh is over on the left. <laughs> Yo, why does Josh do nothing? Like, I was so ready. I was like, okay, cool. There's an awesome black dude with powers. And then he just gets sucked into the weird world and then comes out. And it's like, wow, that was a trip. And he doesn't really get to do anything. Does does anything ever happen with Josh? So Josh was a previous member of the Doom Patrol known as Tempest. Mm, um, yeah. I guess back in the season, introduced in 77. So I guess it's maybe one of those just characters that Morrison maybe wanted to keep to keep continuity going. Well, uh, did uh, did you guys have Tom Pears? Yes. Um, he he mentions that Josh just he didn't want to be part of the superheroes at all. And that was his thing. He was like, yeah, I have powers, but I don't want to do this. Mm. And that was it. <laughs> you know, what? Pair, by the way, we had on the show. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that that's wild. Wait. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you don't you don't remember having that whole conversation with him? No, I I, I do, but I, I just realized <laughs> that we I, I skipped through the the beginning of it. Oh man, I only read uh, Grant's stuff. I wasn't here for that, so I can't speak to that one. But <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I, I'm like I mean, I think you see a little bit more of Josh later on, but it, it kind of Josh feels a bit of an after afterthought in the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess Kale mentioning as him being the more traditional superhero power. And he's a normal looking dude. And his thing being that he just doesn't want to be a superhero. is an interesting point. Uh, it's, it, funny. it's the anti anti superhero, not the anti-hero, but the anti superhero. Yeah. I, I could see that. Uh, do you have any, any other thoughts, Cal on this? Uh, well, I thought not much. I thought uh, issue, what is it? 25. The fact that it starts uh, in 19 it keeps throwing me off so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it would have been, it'd be issue, you know, the last issue of this, color, you know, this sure. uh, uh, collection that we read um, is a big, uh, I don't know, it's basically a big sort of coming of age narrative for a girl. It's basically a, a, a you know, getting your, your period allegory, I guess. Mm-hmm. For uh, Rhea? Yeah, yeah. No, Dorothy. Dorothy, yes, sorry. Oh, Dor- okay. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Because hmm. it I, was, there were there were moments where it it didn't necessarily seem like that, but then she she talks about like uh, the blood running down her leg, and I went, oh, okay, that I see what this is. Oh, yeah, yeah. that 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 took me a, a second because the, the um. Because the the red shoes being very emblematic of um, uh, which call it? Oh my god, I'm blanking on the movie. Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Um, right. So like it's it's very fairy tale esque, and so they they can they can represent the um, what what you think womanhood would be like, uh, or what you would the the idealized version of it. Um, mm. You get the ruby slippers, and you're, you're it's it's uh, happily ever after, but the, the reality sets in. So um, and that was that was a really cool use of well, um, for her it was the other way around. Her um, so yeah. her her whole thing was that the uh, the imaginary friend she created told her a story about uh, Snow White or something, and they made her 
uh, dance until her feet fell off mm-hmm. and they bled to death and the blood got all over her shoes or, or something. So that freaked her out and she didn't want the red shoes. Um, but when she finally accepts them as, you know, her womanhood or whatever, they become uh, Dorothy, Wizard of Oz, Dorothy's ruby slippers. Yeah. Good imagery. Yeah. Um, Dorothy in this show is fantastic, by the way. Great. Great. Oh, she, ca- she, she comes up as a character? Oh, yeah, yeah. Pretty much the driving force of season two. It's Oh, nice. Okay. Really I, I got to go back to this show. It's, dude, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, when we announced the show on social media, I think we realized that, oh, the Doom Patrol has a fan base now. <laughs> yeah. A big uh, one. It's good. It's kind of a sleeper hit. Like, I feel like when it's one of those shows that people are going to look back on, like, oh, that, that shit was pretty good. It's Brendan. Wish I could too. get it. Oh yeah, you should, you should try it, dude. You should, you should, you should, you should finish at least the first season. No, I, I, I can't get it. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, yeah. with, with our with our sponsor NordVPN, you can. Uh... <laughs> no, you I'm can just kidding. Pay for another subscription on top of NordVPN. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's kind of where I where I want to leave the show uh, on that one. Do you guys uh, have any final thoughts, or, or are you all good? I'm I'm I love Doom Patrol. As yeah, a, there's not enough Doom Patrol merch. There's my issue. <laughs> do what Marco does. Merch. Do what Marco does. And just make it. Yeah, yeah I guess I could do want to do something, and that's it. Get a t-shirt. Bubble banned it. me from that years ago because I used to do that, but I was also trying <laughs> to make hard. money off of it. <laughs> it's it's hard to it's hard to recommend it. Um, I think you have to really? be, yeah, not because of quality, but just because it is kind of crazy. I don't think that if like superhero comics are your bag and that's all you're into, that you'll find a lot in this. I think you'll just be put off. Um, you have to be a little bit jaded. You have to be a little bit like ready for something different. Uh, I could see me, like I could see me reading this at 16, for example, and being completely alienated from it. I don't think mm-hmm. I was ready for this when I was, at, you know, at that point in my life. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's I would good- almost say the opposite. Same. I wasn't ready for this yeah. at that point in my life. Oh, I'm sure you guys were. I just wasn't Listening to three open. Cheers from Sweet Revenge. No, yeah. Like, it's definitely not Baby's first comic, though. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think in terms of the, 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 the craft of it, I think it's accessible in terms of like it's not crazy J.H. Williams style paneling, you know, oh, or it's sure. easy to follow along. But the actual content of it is a little, a little, a little dense. I mean, I think it takes a, a, I think you can enjoy it more if you had read comics previously. I, I agree, Sean. Yeah. But otherwise phenomenal. Yeah. I think even if you've read a, uh, a Morrison book before. You sure. That probably, helps a lot. Yeah. You yeah. can probably get, you know, the beats of it at least. I think Morrison is probably the the only comic book writer I can say this about, and you guys correct me if you feel differently, but Morrison's the only comic book writer I can think of where knowing who they are as a person is almost essential to reading the books. Uh, understanding their journey, what they've been through, what their, you know, their experiences and stuff like that. I really think it helps a lot to take in what Morrison uh, writes. Mm. 
I it definitely adds layers for sure. I think it adds context for yeah. for a, if you're going to recommend this off the basis of it being a grant book, I think that's the context you sort of need for to to hand this to somebody, you know, you here read Doom Patrol. By the way, it's grant it's a grant book and mm. that helps you sort of uh, I guess to your point, Sean, get your mind sort of in that in that zone of like, okay, I'm gonna. This is what I'm sort of gonna start to read, and I assume I'm gonna get out of. And right. so, uh, yeah, I I think I'd agree. It also tees you up to be like, I don't need to understand everything. You no, know, dude, the scissor man. I, there's something there, dude. I I'm convinced. Keep at there's it tonight. There. Keep going through it tonight. Go through every panel. Let us know mm. in the morning. I'll figure it out if if you ever slept. <laughs> um, just don't Google it. You get no, something I mean, very different. I, I genuinely, uh, at some point, I was like, maybe it's a code. Maybe I have to like shift the letters up in something <laughs> and like rearrange. I, I, I Google, I Google too. I got no answer besides that potentially false <laughs> uh, word fact, but <laughs> I'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's uh, the Doom Patrol book club. Thanks for listening or watching, guys. Um, I, I I think it's a good one. So definitely, if you haven't read it, read it. Um, and if you had read it, let us know what you thought about it. Let us know if you're going to read beyond this, because uh, I think we hooked Sean for that. And I'm definitely going to, uh, I haven't reread this in a while, so I definitely want to be able to. And considering I have the DC Infinite app now, I can just finish the rest. Sean, can I comic tag you for the rest of his run or, or their run rather? Sure. <laughs> no, I can't do that. That's, that's, that's a bad precedent. <laughs> I'm not going to read it in one week. <laughs> You're not going to get my answer in one week, but... Slippery slope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, keep the discussion going online, guys. I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. The discussion online where, Tyler? Oh, funny you should say that, because you can tell that discussion... Uh, if you do it on YouTube, Sean might just yell at you. Um, but no. you can do it on YouTube. <laughs> YouTube.com slash the comics pals. Yes, and you can also do it on uh, Discord, which Discord links are weird. You have that all on our social media. You can follow the links there um or you could do it uh on tiktok i'm gonna clip something from this for the tiktok gotta get that doom patrol clout um which the tiktok comments are very strange um i'm learning how to uh react to those they're weird people have weird ass names on tiktok i think i saw somebody's name was like coochie man or something like that but um good, it sounds like that could them. be a doom patrol villain absolutely could that could be I a doom patrol hero <laughs> <laughs> I want the story of Coochie Man and Robot Man just having a nice Sunday brunch together. I'm going to spend my night feverishly writing that very thing. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be writing Coochie Man, just, just Jack Torrance style on a typewriter. Yeah, I could see it. Um, but yeah, you can uh, talk to us on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash comicspals, Instagram, Twitter, at the comicspals. Um, where can everyone find? Do you guys do plugs individually for Book Club? No, 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 no. No? Screw okay, us. Well, you can throw for the book. Tyler Olson. <laughs> I stole it. Um, but yeah, that's uh that's where you can find us. Um if you have any suggestions for the next book club, we have uh we have thoughts for the next couple, but you can always change that if there's uh support for it. Um only some of them are set in stone. Oh, it's mm-hmm. cool, go so. go on to change.org and you we might, yeah. might listen. Yep. All you nicely entitled fans out there, give us a nice change.org petition. <laughs> Um, it's I, there's only one change.org petition that I really signed up for. It was finding out Obama's last name. We still never figured that one out. Mm. Um, on that note, yeah, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> on that note, 
You've been listening to The Comic Spouse. See you next month. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. What is Obama's last name?